a one, a two, a one, two, three, four. <laughs> Another beautiful day on the Victor Bravo Golf Course. The sun is shining, the birds are about, and there's a sudden buzz in the crowd. Michael Michelson steps up to the tee box. 15th hole here, driver's recommended. <laughs> oh, is he a caveman? Because it's suddenly clumped that one. What do you reckon, George? <laughs> I mean, did he hit that with a dictionary? Because that was a. T- G'day, this is Golf, Andrew Dado is my name, and I love doing this podcast for this exact reason. It's the people, it's always the people. Now, I was at the Lawn Solutions Australia conference last week in Twin Towns, which is on the border of Queensland and New South Wales, and they had speakers literally from, it was amazing, speakers from all over the world, one of which was a guy called Simon Hutton. So Simon's from Tiller's Turf. Um, And his is a golfing story. It's a turf story. It's a grass story. But it's a golfing story as well. And then it just goes wide. So when you're talking turf, you're talking everything. You're talking cricket and tennis. So you're talking Lords and Wimbledon. And that's where the story will meander to. Now, it's not a long story, but it's a very interesting story. So this is Simon Hutton. And we started where I always like to start with, was how did you come to the game of golf? I was born into it. Um, My father uh, is a PGA professional. And when I was born, he was head pro at a golf course in Lincolnshire called Sleaford Golf Club. Um, So I was totally born into it. I was uh, dragged around on my mother's golf buggy uh, cart. um, And um, as soon as I could walk, I I was hitting golf balls. Um, My father turned pro at 17 um and had a lot of doors open for him by accident but it certainly paid off for him so he's the pro tim hutton correct who uh, followers of golf may not have heard of because (laughs) 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 with all due respect yeah totally um dad tried hard in the 70s on the european tour and played with the uh the uh, mark james's the sevies uh and the Bernard Langers and they made it and unfortunately dad didn't yeah. however did, did he talk much about that um very humble man I mean it was there was always more stories of the car breaking down when they were traveling Europe with a caravan and you know bodging and mending cars to just to get around and there was no money at all in those days right. but he had the opportunity to play on the tour and that was part of his story and what molded him so okay so he had his tour time did he play an open or did he did he get to that level <clears throat> yep uh, europe and africa in the, on the european tour and some open championships not sure it would be in the early 70s okay so then you, with with a pro father you would think that you've got and your siblings so i'm guessing you've got siblings no chance you'd have to be keen golfers my brother turned pro at 17 and he was the youngest PGA professional to be qualified ever I believe that may have changed since but at the time uh, he followed dad my passion was always the turf I love a social game of golf but not uh, nothing competitive okay so what was it about the and your brother is Ben Hutton right so did he go on to play not the great Ben Hutton <laughs> <laughs> again a similar story yeah. 
managed to play the tour, which is life forming. Yep. Uh, now he's he's um, a teaching pro at our golf course in Lincolnshire. Okay. So did did you get a sense when you were younger? You say you fell in love with the turf when you were fourteen, and I, I should say I've got the benefit of being able to hear Simon speak today in a really terrific keynote. But you fell for turf at fourteen. Do you think? Is, your, is Ben your older brother? Younger brother. Oh, he's younger, right. So yeah. you hadn't... So the only one who you'd seen try and not quite get to where they might have wanted to get to was your dad. Yeah, but that was before we were born. But oh, okay. Yeah, I was born in 78 and he was on the tour in uh, 72, 73, I think. Okay, so by the time that your, you came along, he was a club pro? He was head pro at uh, a members golf club in Lincolnshire. Okay. And you did mention that he was good mates with... Yeah. So this, I'm, I'm leading the witness, but for a good reason. Dad, um, the, the story goes, Dad had turned pro and he was working uh, in Staffordshire in Litchfield where he met Mum. And he'd gone home for a weekend and Diaries, which he was f- five-time Ryder Cup captain, um, British Open champion twice, three times, was speaking at Boston Golf Club and Dad was big mates with the pro at Boston Golf Club and he got introduced to Diaries and they swapped phone numbers the next week Diaries phoned Dad up and said come up for an in- come down to London for an interview as it turns out I think he was the only interviewee and he got the job as assistant pro at South Arts Golf Club under Diaries and spent a number of years at South Hearts under Diaries, but they were at the time they were teaching um, all of the uh, Arsenal football team, and uh, you know there was a lot of doors open there, and a lot of fun had, and these famous players that were all sort of within that area. Um, D- Dad and Diaries did golf days and golf weeks in Portugal and up in Scotland, where they would take members. Uh, a golf tuition for a week and a week's holiday which so diaries opened a lot of doors for dad okay yeah right and and so back to to you and and i should point out that sort of at the at the end of this story which is not the end of your story but you're the biggest turf supplier in the uk to stadiums and courses and wimbledon and lords and so what about your love for turf what do you what what was it when you were, you know, mid-teens, probably looking at a different kind of grass, I'm guessing, at the time, what, what was it about turf that lit you up? So when my brother was playing golf, when we were in, you know, five, six, seven years old, he was golfing and I was following the greenkeepers. So 14 for me is when I started growing turf, but my passion for turf, it was born with it. So, right. so but, but what, what is it about turf that you... Which is something that no one actually sort of talked about today was what they actually love about turf um it was born into me i i I can't describe uh, there's just a passion there for everything turf the machinery the, the 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 varieties of turf the um places where it goes the opportunities it's brought it uh you know i can't describe one individual thing but i honestly believe i was born with it in me so it was just you just love grass so when you obviously you travel around the world what what do you see like do we, we've got some what is that there in front of us like do you look at it and it is what zoysia, <laughs> zoysia. so right. it's a warm season grass that 
is uh, predominant in this area. Yeah. Okay. So is that when you travel around? Is that what you you look at grass and go, oh yeah, they should water that, or better <laughs> fert might be good there, or yeah, we're always very um, <laughs> noticing, uh, uh, you know, what's what's where. But when we I've never been to Australia before, and warm we we grow cold season grasses and here is warm season so my knowledge of warm season wasn't great but I've learned a lot but the most thing I've picked up is talking to the people talking to the the uh, the owners and understanding their businesses and I've learned a lot about that and we've shared shared knowledge you know but also talking to the managers and the men that drive the kit it's just been fabulous to 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 get that um individual opinion on things and actually we're however many 13,000 miles apart but actually um, we've got the same businesses we've got the same problems um, and the same success stories so and probably I'm guessing the same challenges ahead as well although from what we heard today that in the UK and Europe you're ahead of where we are and no pesticides is that right they're being depleted rapidly okay yeah so we've got challenges um, that you won't have, um, but we have to adapt to those. What makes us what we are is adapting to, to what's thrown at us with that in our businesses and the monoculture of what we're growing and um, doing it without pesticides. And, and how much more challenging is that? Well, we handpick road grasses out of 200 acres of green turf, which you can imagine is quite a challenge in itself 200 acres um that could be worth like 15 golf course greens work golf courses worth of greens okay and what do you do with that um we pick the grasses that aren't um uh, road grasses so uh, grasses that you wouldn't want within that mix oh, so you've got to get that out by hand yeah right just can we go back to when you were 14 and that's when you sold your first what did you say? You sold your first sod or your first... Yeah, first turf. Right, so how did that happen? We had acquired an acre of land not far from our golf course and there were sheep on it and the sheep went when we bought the land and I just started mowing it just to keep it neat. Well, that then uh, led to, I wonder if we can harvest and sell this. Uh, so we, I, I sold the whole field to one person and it went and then I reseeded it with... Uh, so, so sorry, you're 14 years old. Yeah. You've sold the field. How did you get the field up? Um, they harvested it. Oh, okay. So I mowed it, got it into good condition. They harvested it, took it away and paid us. From there, we reseeded it with a sports mix and a lawn mix. Um, and that's when I, when that was ready for harvest, that's when I started harvesting it and selling it on a Saturday. Do you remember the day? It was <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was May the 16th, 1993 or something right. so, like that. So obviously things have changed a lot. But back then, I guess that, that, was the op- that was the time when there was an opportunity for a, a young, some, you know, someone who's ready to have a go, to actually have a go and, and, and do okay. <clears throat> Absolutely. I, mean, I had a lot of backing from my parents, had a lot of luck, a lot of doors opened... But at the end of the day, I had the uh, the aggression to go and go get and uh, the foresight to think, well, 
this might take me somewhere and it certainly has done and and was there a point where you went okay if i can get to this golf course if i can do this course or this screen then i can is that the way it actually worked i dreamt a lot about working in some nice places and those opportunities all came all those dreams and beyond belief came to premonition or fruition okay did did you at any point so we're talking lords wimbledon anfield man united United, tottenham at any point in that process did you suffer the imposter syndrome of going they they, they're gonna work me out soon (laughs) um i think a 17 18 20 year old has no fear and the doors opened the opportunities came and I grabbed hold of them with both hands and and had the absolute passion in me to do it and don't tell me how I did it or but it we just had that drive and enthusiasm to make it happen right but you never went this is not gonna work so for instance the first time you go to Lords and you get a job there Surely there's some part, or not. I mean, maybe this is just part of your special special personality that you just go, yes, I am the right one for this. We were totally geared up. We went there. We had the confidence to do it. We'd been doing it for years on golf greens. It's not my course at home. It's Lord's. But we know this. Um, we know the process. We know the equipment. We know what's expected. We worked to a very, very high standard, and it happened. Uh, There was a a mess-up. What I didn't didn't estimate was that the machine, the tines on the machine would wear out as quickly as they did. So we finished day one. And this is re-turfing lords? Uh, No, this was holocoring and collecting the outfield. So a, a, a reasonably simple operation Okay. to me at the time... Um, but in a, a world-class venue. We, we wore a set of tines out in day one, so I'm thinking, do I drive back to Lincolnshire to fetch some tines? Do I source some locally? So it didn't work like clockwork and spent most of the night navigating through London to find these spare parts. We got them, we fitted them, didn't get a lot of sleep, and we were on the next day, client wasn't aware, but that's contracting. You get things thrown at you from every direction at any moment, and it's how you react to that. And then so one job leads to the next. So it's coring. So when you say hollow coring, that's just doing the whole Spiking, spiking. but it takes a a plug out and then you collect the plug. Okay. And then from there, then to the footy stadiums. And then they're a full resurfacing, aren't they? Manchester United was a full resurface. Uh, I was 21 years old. I I mean, mean, (laughs) who in their right mind would let a 21-year-old anywhere near anything, let alone a premiership? biggest club in the world pitch Um, we had a pitch growing I had this vision to grow a pitch didn't know why didn't know how and it was in Lincolnshire and I got a phone call one Wednesday morning from the secretary of Manchester United saying I hear you have a pitch we've looked everywhere in UK and Holland for a pitch we're coming up to see you tomorrow morning can you see us so the answer was yet yeah. you know nerves were were there and they came up and they said this is just what we're looking for we'll bid you this on it okay how did you how did you prepare the pitch given that you had you know a couple of days notice 
we'd got all the equipment on the golf course so the pitch was in good condition I was very happy with it nutrient wise it looked well and I always thought if it doesn't look right and we get a visit I can't sell it so it looked right it was actually a dry October afternoon and we mowed it that afternoon after the phone call thought well we can't get it any better than this Um, we were very lucky that that afternoon was dry we got it mown they came the next morning and they said such and such a date in November um, can you deliver it and the answer was yes however (laughs) I said um, we can deliver it but actually I want to lay it I sort of realised that they were not got anywhere else to go and I thought this might open a door for us which it did so I we negotiated a price and we went up there um we pulled a load of people together to make it happen I mean it was one you know friends and local farmers and local people that I knew we just obviously got some idea of what they were doing and um we had a team in Lincolnshire harvesting it a team of lorries taking it up there and then a team at Old Trafford where we took it out prepped it laid it and uh, handed it back to them. How much time have you got between uh, ripping it up and putting it down? We handed it to them, I remember vividly, on a Wednesday night about midnight, and they played Newcastle on the Saturday lunchtime at midday. Did you watch the game? I went to the... I was actually... Went to the... I was there, <laughs> nervous, watching it, yeah. and, um, yeah, it performed well. Okay. Well, as good as we were ever going to get it okay. we were happy and whoever you were with did you go or did you ask people throughout the game what do you think of the pitch <laughs> well, well, look sat, at the pitch we sat with the groundsman and um, they have an area where they sit we were sat with them and we were we were sort of I've never been to a football match before and it was quite overwhelming really and the success it was when 90 minutes hit it was a big relief and okay. everybody was happy were you were you thinking like you know there could be a tear in a seam you know between two two whatever what are, what are they called I mean, the, the joints in the turf yeah. absolutely and you know previous to that that was happening and after that that was happening but it didn't happen to my pitch and they played 13 games and never won a never lost a game on my pitches and after the 13th game it came out and a dutch system went in did yeah. you you didn't put the dutch one in no okay no um i actually went i was invited to visit them putting it in and the the, the chap, the, the the contracts manager and owner of the company that were putting in, said that the levels of the pitch um, were second to none, and that was one heck of a compliment at okay. the time. So did that disappoint you that you weren't asked to go and do the next one, or did you just not have the next one? We, we didn't have the next pitch, but um, thirteen wins, thirteen games to be invited to watch what I would suggest were the experience boys from Holland and I was in awe of their setup and how they did it to be complimented by them I thought this is this is good okay so so now you do as you were talking about in your your talk the Wimbledon there's the research around Wimbledon making sure it's a perfect surface that the that was you talking about the serving and volleying wasn't it um that was Christian Christian. he's the research expert for Wimbledon okay for the STRI but we work very closely with them my remit at Wimbledon is anything specialist anything that the grounds team can't do themselves or need assistance with I mean they're a very um, experienced team there but anything new build okay should should sports all have perfect surfaces have we sort of lost something 
in the translation of making everything perfect for the pros and maybe not quite so for the rest of us? The expectation is very, very high. And as technology moves on and time moves on and processes move on, the expectation gets greater. And I think in Great Britain, we strive to produce as near to perfect surface as we possibly can, which in turn then pleases the players. Okay. So it is all about the players too, isn't it? They're happy there. Very much so. And, you know, we always say... If nothing is ever said about a court, a pitch, or an outfield, or a wicket, we know we've got it right. right. When, we, when there's criticism or, or comments made, that's when we know we need to assess what's happening. Um, is that a problem, or is it a weather condition? Um, and then we can move forward with that data or that uh, feedback and try and improve. Okay. So you did the Lord's ground this year. Did you do the pitch as well? <clears throat> We've. Um, Are they? Dro- is it a drop-in pitch at Lords? They're not drop-in pitches. Um, they're they're British-built uh, standard wickets at Lords. Uh, my senior project manager Jim Coleman's built every wicket at Lords in the last twenty-five years, and probably every Test wicket in the UK. Um, the outfield um, is ours. So at the end of the season, we renovate the square. Um, all the wickets and the outfield. Looking, watching the Ashes this year, there was a few ovals where you've got a whole line of pitches that go literally the whole way along the ground, like literally the whole way across. Are those pitches picked up and moved into the centre, used? Is that how it works? Nothing gets moved. So where you see them is where they stay. There'll be test wickets within the um, within the square. S- some will be the test wickets, some will be the county wickets, some will be the um, the, the um, lesser wickets or training wickets. Yeah. Um, so they they all they all have a purpose, but the, the best ones that are in the centre will be for test. Okay. And what about your lawn at home? Do you have one? <laughs> I have a reasonable sized lawn at home, which is green and striped. Um, my old house it became too much to keep it immaculate. So this lawn, there's weed in it, there's moss in it, there's lots of different grasses in it, but it's mown and it's striped. It looks great, but you don't want to look too closely at it. Okay, and what about your golf? (laughs) Similar to my lawn. (laughs) (laughs) I love a game of golf, a playoff uh, 18. I don't actually have an official handicap with the new world handicap system but I play sociable golf with well-chosen friends okay. do you look at the course and do you look at the condition of courses and greens and approach areas and uh, because again one of the speakers today talked about that an open course is prepared to play like an open course as opposed to the golf course plays like the golf course as a, a turf man you can't help but go anywhere and look at turf good bad on holiday at work, grass verges, you name it, we're looking at it, and um, it's it's in you. Okay. So the best course in your mind, the best grass, the best course for grass. I'm quite a traditionalist in the UK. I like the links courses. So for me, burnt off, wispy grass, wispy rough, um, hard fairways, quick greens, 
that's what I like to watch on the, the, okay. the TV. So you would have liked Hoylake this year. I mean, that was just terrific. It was With those it, revetted bunkers. Oh, my God. It looked absolutely fabulous. But we have to say we've had that much rain in the UK. It probably was the lushest Open Championship golf course and greenest we've ever seen, ever. Well, for a long time. Right. Normally, <clears throat> we're in high temperatures and drought and they'll be going off but that's what the challenges of the course are. So I would suggest the players this year were expecting traditional links, running a long way, bad bounces, quick greens. Uh, this year, I would have said everything was playing a lot shorter. Uh, and, uh, I mean, the greens were tremendous, but they wouldn't be as, as quick as a 30-degree heat day. Um, and that would have brought its own challenges to the players. They, they, I believe that the, it took them a few days to get into the swing of it, yeah, and get used to the the conditions. All right. Well, listen, it was a real pleasure to talk to you. Listen, I loved your presentation today, and so that is Simon Hutton, the UK Turf Master of Tillers Turf. Uh, and again, thanks very much. It's really good of you to spend some time. A pleasure. Thank you very much. Beautiful. That's Simon Hutton from Tiller's Turf. There are other speakers at that conference that I want to get a hold of and I will bring them to you because turf isn't just turf. Turf is people and we all love turf. I'm the son of a mower, a man with stripes in his lawn every single time. So thanks for listening. Uh, More grass on the way and more golf. See ya.